Welcome, everyone, to a very special bonus episode of the 25 Live. It was my honor to bring back three of my past guests to talk about all the COVID-19 corona issues uh, for first responders, all the anxiety, and, and also trying to persevere and get through this and get to the other side. So, uh, Todd LaDuke, he was actually all the way back in episode three. He's retired Broward County uh, Deputy Chief down there in Florida. He's now the Chief Strategy Officer for LifeScan Wellness. Uh, I also brought on Dr. Mark Foreman, who actually debuts next week in episode 33. He's the clinician for Ben Vernon, which is episode 32. Now, he's a re retired San Diego police officer. Uh, he's also a clinician, and he's the co-founder of Mindful Awareness and Public Safety Training Institute, MAPSD for short. And then uh, my local buddy, Dr. Donnie Hutchinson, he was all the way back in episode 8. Uh, he does a lot of work-life balance with first responders. He's also a professor at the University of Dayton. So I, I put this panel together. It's the really first time I've had a panel like this, and we just went over some of the issues that first responders are having and, and how to try to get through those and, again, get to that other side. So without further ado, let me bring in Todd, Mark, and Donnie. So we all know this entire world is dealing with this COVID-19 issue. However, there's an increased responsibility among first responders and essential employees. So one of my favorite proverbs is very famous. It's actually the Peter Parker proverb is, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, with that great responsibility, there's also an increase of anxiety. So, you know, this whole idea of this podcast is trying to navigate these difficult times and come out on the other side, whenever that actually is, ideally physically and mentally stronger. So I think the first thing that we'll talk about, and I'll open up the panel here, is about self-care. And when I think about self-care, I always think about just the airplane mask. I know that's kind of funny to think about right now because really none of us are on a plane. But if you think about that, if something goes wrong in the airplane and those masks come down, you're supposed to put your mask on yourself first. And I know that's very backwards in the first responder world, but you need to have that oxygen on so you can help out others. So with that being said, I actually kind of want to open up the physical side of things regarding self-care. So with that, how about Todd, if you don't mind, we'll start off with you about some of the physical side of things and then everybody else kind of jump in if you don't mind. Sure, Jim. Um, great. It's a great analogy. Um, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you for uh, bringing us all together and in, in hosting um, this episode. I think it's uh, tremendously uh, an area of importance in the times that we're in. Um, and uh, your, your analogy of that airplane mask is, is so spot on. I think, uh, you know, we all um, get into uh, to being first responders to, to help others. Um, and that's our, our primary focus. And uh, uh, it's a daunting focus day to day, right? Uh, um, but uh, the times that we're currently in, uh, I guess for my generation, it was 9-11 uh, was was really the uh, uh, the challenge that the country had been had been through that was unprecedented. And uh, now we're going through a COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which takes us back uh, uh, over a century uh, to the, the likes of the Spanish flu. So um, I, I can tell you, I, I come to this with the perspective of not only a first responder, 
um, but now being um, an executive with LifeScan Wellness that, that does uh, firefighter exams and police officer uh, exams for 40,000 first responders. And, and one of the areas that sometimes we don't do a good job at is focusing on our own um, physical and mental wellness. We're so preoccupied with taking care of everyone else um, that we neglect taking care of ourselves. And I think that's true um, as healthcare providers as well. And um, so that, that's on a, a routine day-to-day -day basis. And we couple it with the, the magnitude of the stress and the challenges that we're now confronted with um, daily, really, whether that's the 24-hour news cycle, whether that's we're on the front lines actually responding to COVID patients or caring in the hospital. So I think um, talking about self-care, uh, there's really uh, some pillars of self-care that are so important right now. Um, one is uh, taking care of our own uh, physical wellness. Um, and, and for many, uh, there's underlying conditions that they have, whether that's high blood pressure, whether that's cholesterol. Um, there's those areas that uh, we need to focus on to make sure that we don't forget about ourselves. We need to uh, continue to uh, look at our, our nutrition, how we're, uh, we are what we eat, you know, is the adage that you, that you hear. Uh, in these times of uncertainty, um, we tend to often uh, throw that out the window and focus on uh, um, kind of unhealthy choices. Um, we forget about the importance of um, something as simple as just exercise. You know, it sounds um, very much cliche, uh, but we know the importance of uh, some type of exercise routine on a daily basis, whatever works for you however you can fit it into your, your current life that you're living with corona, uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus. But we know that has a tremendous impact on overall wellness, on decreasing stress, on mental uh, well-being. And, and again, that can look different for every provider that's out there, but uh, we need to be doing something and not just uh, avoidance. Uh, avoidance can be deadly for first responders at this uh, point. So nutrition, uh, activity is, is important. Uh, you know, I think hopefully we've all got the message of uh, hygiene is so important. Uh, Self-care, that's an important pillar in and of itself. But in the times of uh, the, the infectious uh, exposure that we're seeing with this uh, virus, um, you know, we the numbers I've seen are simple hand washing uh, decreases the, the risk of 80 to 90 percent of that transmission, uh, you know, especially uh, not touching the face. Um, we all know the PPE discussion and, and the PPE uh, issues that have uh, been uh, been the, the topic throughout this uh, pandemic. But it's important because in our mind, we worry when we come home to family, uh, when we embrace children. Um, so the importance of, of good hygiene. The other thing I just want to touch on, and, and we've got a great panel here, I'm sure they'll add uh, in on this, is... Um, healthy coping mechanisms. Uh, risk avoidance is sometimes what it's referred to in the, the pillars of self-care. Um, but, um, you know, we look at sometimes as first responders, we gravitate to unhealthy coping mechanisms, whether that be alcohol uh, addiction, um, uh, just poor um, choices. And, and I think it's important for us during this time of uncertainty, of increased stress, to, to find avenues 
uh, for self-care that are that are healthy. Uh, something as simple as mindfulness, taking a brief time out, meditation, self-meditation. Uh, we have several clinicians that are on the panel today. I'm sure they'll add more, but I know from myself and uh, from my colleagues that are first responders, simply taking a, a short time out, wherever that may be, in between the, the hectic uh, schedules that we're all now confronted with, uh, just to focus on me time, as sometimes we call it, um, just to recalibrate our minds, recalibrate our our self care. So those are some those are some thoughts. So you know the ones I that worry about the most are uh, are particularly some of those underlying uh, medical issues because many of our first responders are putting in inordinate amounts of just uh, effort and time on the front lines, and sometimes we forget about uh, uh, some of our underlying own challenges that we we have and we need to make sure we continue to manage those so uh, those are some initial thoughts and uh, uh, my hats my hat goes off to uh, all of our first responders and healthcare providers and uh, essential workers right because we sometimes forget about the folks that are keeping our food supply moving delivering our essential uh, our, our needs of daily living so uh, my uh, my sincere um, gratitude of myself and I think the nation knows uh, uh, them all uh, that um, that uh, we're getting through this because of them and because of each other so uh, uh, those are some some thoughts on self-care well nice thank you very much for that Todd uh, you know two things real quick uh, regarding nutrition I I made a joke last night with Donnie I, I mentioned the uh, um I said, did you ever hear of the freshman 15? He said, well, yeah. I said, I'm working on my COVID-19 right now. <laughs> so, I think we all are. Yes. So, and, and going with the, the physical fitness aspect, it's been difficult for a lot of us first responders who are trying to maintain that healthy lifestyle and work out. Well, the gyms are closed. We're not able to get to that. So I wanted to pass this next one on to – my pal Donnie, who who played college football, still very physically fit, you know, a runner. What are some of the things that we can do in the meantime to still maintain that fitness and, and get us to the other side when when those gyms finally open back up? I appreciate it. With, with that, I yeah. think, you know what I'm thinking almost? It's almost like Rocky Four style. That's what's going to end up happening. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, my, uh, my son... Um, he just got out of the army and he's studying to become firefighter, uh, paramedic at Sinclair college. And, um, you know, he, he's, he works out constantly. He, he left a boy three and a half years ago and came back a man at, from the army and, uh, literally 220 pounds now has been going to the gym forever. Huge kid now. And, uh, he can't go to the gym, obviously. You know, and um, I go, well, what are you actually doing? And he's literally finding like going in construction sites, finding concrete blocks and just like picking them up and throwing them or tires, doing whatever he can to try to sustain something, you know, and I found that sort of funny. And I was like, hey, you do it. You know what, though? It brings me to a point, though. He's he's very intentional about what he wants to accomplish. He wants to accomplish a workout. And so he will, he, he saw fit to go out there, not let the gym being closed, 
but to go out there and find something to do. And I found that sort of interesting. But uh, let me back up just a second and talk a little bit about, um, you know, I'm, of course, doc, a, a doctor, but a PhD doctor. So I, I don't want to mislead anyone that I'm a medical doctor or uh, so a PhD doctor. And then um, my research was in uh, self-care and work-life balance and how it how authentic leaders actually took care of them, themselves in order to be effective in life. And I did a five uh, independent case studies and it was published last year. And and with that, um, when we talk about, and Todd, you're talking about, you know, the, the, the whole self-care piece, you know, the, the physical piece, the eating, the nutrition, and, you know, we've had many conversations about, about this type stuff. I wanted to just read you a few lines that, uh, statements that came out of the the participants in my study, and these were all. This was not a fire service industry uh, study, but they were um, vice president and presidents of organizations uh, in the Miami Valley, you know, Ohio. And um, when it came to a question about um, the physical needs, self care question, uh, one participant said, uh, and I quote, "Well, for me, it's foundational." You can't sustain a healthy, happy, productive life without having proper nutrition, proper sleep, and certainly the exercise component. You know, that just gives me all the energy, end quote. And I was like, you know, that, that what happened is that all five of these mimicked that piece to where it's all about, you know, taking care of yourself. And such as one talked about you know, on the on the food side. And um, he said, hey, if I go down to the cafeteria and eat the chili cheese fries, I'm going to have a lousy afternoon. I either would have a food coma or indigestion. <laughs> so what he does, he sets himself up knowing that, again, intentionally planning and managing his priorities. He intentionally sets himself up to eat something healthy. And that quickly, that brings me over to a concept that, it doesn't get a lot of press, but it's it's I think it's apparent. And and I think Todd and, and Mark, you could probably talk about this, is that, that concept called spillover and spillover awareness. And and what I mean by spillover, I think this one participant said it so well. If I go down and eat the chili cheese fries, I'm gonna be in a food coma. Now for me, that's a pizza. If I eat a pizza for lunch, I'm out. And, and that's a case of negative spillover. What we do in one role in our life, how it spills over into another role. And, and I think a, one method that we have, or once something that we could do at this time is to start thinking about how do we increase our positive spillover during this corona time? Because what I, with, I've, I've been making phone calls around the country talking with firefighters and interviewing them. And what I found, of course, in our hotspots in the country, um, your brothers and sisters are, of course, uh, extremely busy. You know, they're they're swamped, uh, busier than what they've ever been. But then in the spots that aren't the hot spots, I'm actually finding people saying, "Hey, I'm getting to spend more time at home. I'm actually." now doing some work around the house. I'm cutting the grass uh, before it gets a foot high. You know, I'm uh, actually taking walks with my family. And, and they said, you know, it's amazing. 
the conversation that we get into on a family walk. And that's an example of that positive spillover. And I think also, you know, as we all know that whether it's walking or some type of exercise, it positively spills over. And Mark, maybe you can touch on this. It, it spills over into our psychological, emotional self-care need, right? It, it has actually a physiological effect on our minds, exercise does. And, and that can help, getting back to one of your questions, is that how do we cope with some of this anxiety? Is that that can help cope and help manage those stressors is by intentionally planning on getting out and doing something each day that we can, knowing that what we do physically can have a positive effect on our psychological and emotional side. How we how we're dealing with this anxiety, Jim. With that, I'll turn it back over to you a little bit. Well, Mark, I'll, I'll tag you right into that. You, know, you kind of set you up perfectly. <laughs> that that whole that whole spillover. He's he's trying to get my job is what he wants. The pay is amazing. This is a wonderful team that's forming right here. Uh, yeah. Uh, so so that, um, that whole that whole spillover. I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense. How if we're not able to to you know get a lot of this out on the physical side, it's going to go right into the psychological side. Do you want to touch on that, please? Yeah. So exactly. So um, I'd like to start is that none of this is going to be new to anybody. Everybody knows this already. It's except when we're in the midst of a a crisis, a significant challenge, and we're sensing our own own overwhelm, or we're in the presence of everybody else's overwhelm. Spillover goes everywhere unless we wall up against it. Uh, and it's actually that concept of spillover. Uh, in as I was doing therapy, that's what was bringing most people into my therapy office. Uh, the cops and the firefighters and the medics is they'd be coming in because that spillover was leaking. They weren't able to contain it. They weren't able to navigate and mitigate the effects of it on, on their own well-being. And it affects them across all aspects of themselves, uh, starting with the body. I mean, we're, we're having a wonderful discussion here already about the importance of exercise in the body. But sometimes another aspect of the self will come in and kick us over the edge around our exercise, saying we're not doing enough, we need to do more and more, and what happens when we can't exercise the way we're used to? And this internal narrative and this internal dialogue is, well, I had the intention to go for a five-mile run, and now I can't go out in public. Oh, what do I do now? And the internal uh, dialogue and stuff that we're, we've probably lived with much of our life will come in and it'll activate in a very harsh way. So this idea of spillover, once the spillover awareness is really what therapy is all about is how, how do we know what's it like and then what do we do with it? Because uh, it's normal. It's, it's supposed to be there. Uh, each of us have all these different roles, as, as you were naming, Donnie, that we have these roles that we step in and out of, whether it's uh, first responder, therapist, doctor, retired person, active person, father. It doesn't matter. We have these different roles. Each one shows up differently, but every once in a while there's a, a negative effect to it all. And on the in the extreme form, it shows up as dissociation. We'll totally have a whole different aspect of ourselves showing up. And my experience with first responders is they're showing up at work as in a dissociative state. 
to be able to go in and do that hard thing to move into the danger and all the stuff that comes with being a fire or a cop or a paramedic or lifeguard or uh, nurse, doctor that shows up in a lot of different avenues, moving into somebody else's upset, their, their challenges, uh, moving into the fire, using that as a literal and as a metaphor. The body says, no, I don't want to do that because that stuff's scary. But the mind says, no, this stuff's really pretty exciting. This gives me a sense of me being who I am. And most first responders have that right at their core. And it's that spillover that gets in the, when that gets overly challenged and it starts showing up. And this is the essence of what shows up as PTSD at some point is that core sense of value that I exist to go help others and I can't do that. Why can't I do that? And there might be something getting in the way. It, or now I'm doing that, but as a result of me doing that, it's affecting my family or it's affecting the ones that I love and then the ones that I care about. That's spillover, and that's the stuff that starts to show up, and uh, that's what we get to navigate through. So to name all this, uh, exercise, diet, nutrition, sleep, all of these are wonderful. And uh, in the area, I, I work, work in the San Diego region with the departments here, and it's a bit busy region. Uh, San Diego Fire, for instance, they're, they've been extremely busy for the, the whole six years that I've been working with them. Sleep, I don't even ask them how they're sleeping. I just assume that they have sleep dysregulation, even though sleep's the number one thing that if we can get our sleep under control, we start to feel better, we start to eat better, we start to exercise better. Exercise helps us sleep. And there's this odd interaction between all of these, except they're working, in, they're showing up in an environment to go through the this noble uh, thing of rescuing and saving people and those that are able to navigate step in and out why we sleep yes wonderful book uh matt uh, what's, what's his name the, the author of that uh matthew uh, Jim, walker yeah, I, Jim, and I, just, see, I know this is all this is all audio but i i just showed yeah. mark that i'm i'm trying to sleep the why we sleep and that goes even to the donnie part where i'm able to do stuff that i haven't been able to do in a long time yeah because of how slow has been at least right here right now yeah anyway as you were sorry so well this is really what this all about is that all of this stuff starts coming together for us because one of the things that i think it's important for all of us not just the four of us on this call but anybody listening that we are all in the midst of enduring trauma right now and if we can't name it what it is we, we can't turn toward it, we can't navigate, and we can't deal with it. Uh, just recently, I watched the movie, um, the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks, and he's, you know, in that Mr. Rogers makes a comment to a family navigating with death, and he says, if we can't talk about it, we can't manage it. To notice that when it shows up, to move out into the world, uh, the way first responders and uh, the medical professions are, and the people delivering our food, and stuff they're out there in the midst of this invisible threat they know it's there it affects them they know that when they go back home they may carry it with them and they won't even know it if they did and and they they have to wait for it and did i or didn't i that starts to affect our ability to be present and it's supposed to be there when we can turn toward say ah this is hard what do i do with this certainly i'll keep exercising i'll keep eating well as best i can and I'll set some intentions, recognizing that every once in a while my intentions get obscured, they get obliterated, they get nudged out of the way, and my intentions aren't the ones that I'm living by. I'm living by somebody else's intentions. 
And we're coming back into that present moment. Uh, Todd, right at the opening, he mentioned mindfulness and some other practices that bring us back inward to settle us, to ground us. We can come back inward to go back outward to keep doing the hard work. Uh, and that starts navigating through the spillover. We can start to notice where, if it's leakage or if we're allowing it to spill over. Can we put up a wall with intention or does it just slam up in front of us and we're not even aware that it's there and it just it, it's having a function. That wall might be going out and getting drunk after, after shift, might be getting drunk during shift. Uh, that happens too. Uh, might be going out and getting laid. It could be all sorts of things to navigate the hardness of what we're encountering out of, outside our awareness. And this is where on the mindfulness practices, they help us come back inward so we're not reactive, we're responsive. We can manage the spillover. We can notice that we can sense where it's coming from, that it has a purpose, that this is hard, this is struggling. Uh, it allows us to keep checking in with that core value that drives the people that are showing up, those doctors, those nurses that are doing amazing jobs. The, every firefighter and cop and uh, paramedic that are out there engaging with the public who may or may not be doing the best social distancing, yet they're still engaging. They're still navigating the regular dramas, that, the crime, the child abuse, the domestic violences, the, the I just saw that Chicago had a, another violent day, I think, was it last week or something? It's like the rest of the human drama doesn't stop because we're social distancing. And some of it's getting in, more intense. Some of it's healing. There's a, there's a lot of gratitude coming up. There's a lot of reconnecting as we separate. Each one of these makes space for awareness of, is this spillover? And how do I know? And in the midst of incurring the trauma it kind of i was kind of trying to think of an analogy of what this would be like uh i'm imagining many of our listeners and many of us here all have kids so when they were young if they touched a hot stove would we let them do it again no yet the first responders uh one of the words i wrote down was risk avoidance Risk avoidance, yeah, don't touch the hot stove, you're going to get burned, and if you get burned, it might leave a mark, it might leave a scar, yet first responders, by the nature of who they are, engage with risk. They engage with risk that nobody else will engage with, over and over, call after call, incident after incident, so that when things like 9-11 show up, here we are, I, I lost the math, it's been a long time, we can look back on it and say, whoa, those of you on the East Coast that went through it and it affected the whole world, it certainly affected us here in San Diego, but it was thousands of miles away from here, yet it still affected us deeply. And we carried it as a scar, as a wound, but it was almost instantaneous. This is a different type of a wound. It's showing up. We don't know when we're going to get it. Don't touch the stove. I, I'm going to go touch it because that's what I do. I go to risk. I go engage. I think a lot of that, though, Mark, is like, I, I mean, I'm all about risk management. I mean, I, I preach it all the time. I'm, I'm going to risk a lot to save a lot. I'm going to risk a little to save a little. I accept if something happens to me. Yeah. And I, I kind of think I, I speak for all the first responders and everybody involved in this. That's fine if it happens to me. It, it, it is what it is. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid that. But if it happens, it happens. What the crazy thing about this is is how this can affect everybody else. Yeah. And I don't even know. 
whether it's my kids or my parents. I mean, I, and I don't know if you guys have felt this or not. I know this is kind of a question even we got when we asked for this, but I can't help but just feel toxic right now. Yeah. Like there's people that don't want to come near me. Um, not because I smell or anything like that. <laughs> I am still taking showers, but like they're, they're scared because they know that we're out there and we're being exposed potentially. And, right. you know, I, have any of you guys kind of dealt with that at all? I wonder if I could throw a question out to the to rest of us here of what part of what I'm hearing you name, Jim, is uncertainty. What comes with the uncertainty of all this for any of us? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's spot on, Mark, is, you know, with, with uncertainty, um, it comes the challenge of how we respond, you know, as humans, as uh, individuals. And, and I think, uh, uh, you know, first responders are are uh, their domain is managing uh, uncertainty but this is this is something that we have uh, uh, our generation um, ha- has not dealt with before I mean we, we navigated through the the tragedy of 9/11 um, and, and the the numbers that we're seeing and the this invisible enemy is uh, is a different animal um, so I, I think you know what uh, we, we I think each you know provided some some great insight and I you know, I think Mark, you said it that uh, you know much of what we've talked about um, intuitively, first responders and, and even our families know. Um, you know, but there's the I think the other side of this, which is uh, uh, particularly in these times of uncertainty. I think Peter Drucker said uh, said it best, uh, and I, I almost hate to say this because my my title is chief strategy officer, but uh, execution eats strategy for breakfast. Um, and, and that's, I think, right, we need, we need to take a little pause and say we are in, in times of great uncertainty. Um, some of that uncertainty is beyond our control. Uh, we can take the, you know, the appropriate risk mitigation, um, you know, that Jim was just talking about. What, what are the things to reduce the risk? And we all kind of are, know what that guidance is out there, and we're, we're trying to implement that as best as we can. But some of these... Uh, some of these self-care uh, topics that we've we've been hitting on, we all know them. Um, I, I think this is an opportunity as a country, uh, as a world, uh, but in particular as first responders to to now say uh, we're going to practice them and uh, commit to uh, that's more now important, not only just for us and our performance, but for our family and for those that love and care about us. Uh, to make sure that we're actually putting these principles in practice. So uh, I think that's a great topic on un- uncertainty and um, in how we each kind of react and respond to it. Nice. Now, go, uh, Donnie, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you, you're in the work-life balance realm, but what I kind of think is, uh, you know, the way I best describe it is you help prioritize things. And in this situation, at least I can speak for myself, I found myself reprioritizing things. So, you know, what is really important? You know, get cut all the, the extracurricular crap out of it. Get back to basics. Do you want to kind of 
talk about that if you don't mind no absolutely and i and i you bring up a great point with the reprioritizing and things like that and and not only for the first responder industry but i think our country and the world for that matter it, it, this coronavirus time is that it gives, whether we want to or not, except for those that are, are in the hospitals and are 20 hours a day, except for those folks, they just have not had time to reflect. But for many of the pop, population, things have slowed down. Many are out of work. But it comes back to that point a little bit about we can reflect and start thinking about priorities. And whether we want to or not, they're becoming evident to us. And, and in my work and workshops that I do for first responders, as you know, Jim, I spend a lot of time helping you reflect and discover those, rediscover those priorities. And I think it's sort of naturally occurring right now for many, many people. Um, just the thought of being able to, wow, I'm actually home more, or you know, some of those priorities, even if it's a job, not with first responder, but it, you know, even if it's something we didn't like to do necessarily or enjoy doing, we sort of miss it now. You know, it's like, wow, I can't do that. Or sometimes we don't realize some of the basics of, of relationships. Imagine, When's the last time you hugged your, if you still have a mother or father alive that are, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? When's the last time you hugged them? Can't do it right now, right? We just can't do it. We, 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 we have to avoid that risk, right? And, it, and, it, and some of these priorities that are starting to take shape is we're seeing that in the in the um, sickness and the illness of of Corona is that who's mostly being affected? You know, it's those what's the term comorbidity. Um, I can't say that very well, but um, it's it's those underlying health conditions, which a lot of them and I and, I, and I'm not blame. This is not a blame thing, but it's something to just consider um, when we look at preventable diseases. What, where does it come back to? It comes back to how well are we doing as a culture, as a nation, as an, as an industry with self-care? And I think it, we're all coming back to, and I think self-care is going to be the 2020-2021 hottest topic to talk about moving forward. Because lives have changed, and as we we as we know, we don't know what America 2.0 is going to be like. We just don't know. How are we going to come out of this? Right? Is the handshake gone? For example, is it, are we doing a cultural change? But one thing I would like to talk about too, Jim and Mark and Todd, is that when we talked about self-care, you know, the two biggest ones that we 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 discuss are the physical care, diet, exercise, sleep, et cetera, you know, all the uh, preventive um, health screens, you know, all that type of thing, physical care. And then we have our psychological, emotional care. But there are 
two other universal self-care compartments out there, and you guys know these very well. It's the social and the spiritual needs of people. And these are what we call the you know physical, psychological, social, spiritual, four universal self-care needs. Every human has them in the world to some degree, right? And what I'm talking with um, firefighters in my phone calls and research this week, the the social distancing in the firehouse is starting to take shape, right? And how is that spilling over? You know, we, we don't always think about, wow, we have a social need. We know it when it's not there, but the camaraderie, the, the joking around, the serious talks. But when what I've found with some of my conversations, people are going back to their offices or in a separate part of the firehouse to create the social distancing, but you don't have your normal life going on. And we have to be careful about that spillover too. That, that whole, uh, you know, I'm a social guy, you know, I, I miss our, uh, coffee appointments in the morning, um, live in person. We're not able to do that now, or I guess we're able to do it on this, but, uh, the firehouse was really about the only place where I could still be social and still have interaction. But even that as of yesterday, I guess, well, be but Wednesday is changed because now we're all going to be wearing mask 24 hours a day. Wearing a mask is, is what they'd like for us. But they said, they said, if you're in a separate room, if you're away from everybody, you don't have to wear a mask. So guess what is going to happen? And I'm, I, I go back into, uh, you know, shift tomorrow, but I have a feeling that we are just going to be, you know, there's, there's six of us at the firehouse and we're going to be in six different places. So we don't have to wear a mask. I mean, that's, that's, so this whole social distancing is even going to be worse. So actually I wanted to kind of take this to Mark. How, how can we stay connected? How can we still try to have that, that social interaction, even though we can't have it really live in person? That's a great question because it's still going to be connected to the uncertainty, but um, as we mask up and this connectivity that uh, Donnie was just naming, that we are wired as humans to be connected. It's what pulls us into love groups, our mate partners, our family groups, our community groups, our church groups, our fan base that we get involved in with sports and our nations and etc. We have all these different groups that we tend to be pulled into toward connectivity. Social distancing is challenging that. It's resulting in severing in one way, but now people are missing it. I've heard many stories of parents whose kids hated school, but now they can't wait to get back to school because they want to re-engage with the environment. Uh, but something starts to happen at a deep, deep level. Uh, a guy that uh, – Stephen Porges, he's a researcher. He's named a complex – he's developed a complex theory over the last 35 or 40 years called the polyvagal theory. And you medics and with advanced uh, medical background, you'll start to understand, oh, the vagus nerve, the nerve that's responsible for the fight or flight system within the body, it's also active in our enga social engagement. When we look at somebody and we can see their smile, we can see the brightness in their eyes – we feel connected, we feel closer. Throw a mask on, you lose a lot of that input. 
oh, there's already just wearing a mask, you lose that separation. Putting distance in, we start to lose separation. Uh, right now, uh, conferencing, being able to look at each other is useful for me because I know about myself. I want to see the connection as well as hear the connection. But we can activate it through our voice also. All this fuels the uncertainty thing. When uncertainty shows up, what shows up in the body? Another fear state. It's all about a fear state inside the body. Well, the body will start to say, I'm needing something. And there's a separation of the body and the mind at that point. And as we keep bringing them together, those those four components that Donnie just named, the, the mind, body, uh, spirit, and uh, the connection piece, as we bring them all together, we feel fine. Anything that starts to interact with that will send internally a sense of angst, upset, dis, uh, worry, concern, anxiety, uh, depression, all sorts of things will start to bubble up. And it's all supposed to be there. So when we can lean into it, name it for ourselves, ah, I'm sitting here at work and I can't go up and grab ass with the guys the way I normally do. There's a loss involved in that. Uh, a term that's just recently being coined is ambiguous grief. It's this grief, this sense of loss of something that we can't really touch. We, it's not like we lost somebody through death. Those are the, the natural ones, but it's when we start losing things that we normally have that we kind of take for granted, the showing up, being able to talk to each other, shake hands, uh, there's only recently I've been thinking about why, how the tradition in the regions like India where they do namaste, they bring the hands together and they say namaste, or regions of Africa, they'll say sabubona, uh, sabubona translates into something like I see you, but there's not a touching, there's a separation, but there's still an engagement. Does that emerge now here around, uh, you know, America and stuff? Do we start not shaking hands, not hugging, not elbow bumping, uh, but we do something else as we greet because we need that connection. It's so important to what we are. And you you named it, Jim, for yourself of it's like people are not wanting to be around you. They do, but they don't. It's like there's an uncertainty that where's he been? We don't know where he's been. What's he carrying? Oh, I'm going to stay over here just in case. And yet you're coming back to your family and back in the station house. Each of you, as you go back to the station house from your families, you carry with you whatever came in that direction also. So it starts to bring up more and more uncertainty. And as we face the uncertainty, the body does not like uncertainty, never has. And it brings up an element of fear, but we have the ability to form how do we view uncertainty? Can we change this, this is exciting or this is scary? It starts to be a thought process. Oh, I don't know what's here now. Because the body knows it may not take the next breath, so it activates the sympathetic nervous system. We breathe it in and we breathe it out, more parasympathetic. We breathe, we breathe in and out constantly all day long, and there's this weird interaction. So as we bring the uncertainty in closer and closer and closer to now, we find this breath, we ground our feet, we come into the moment, and then we come back outward into what's going to happen in the next minute, in the next hour, in the next day, in the next week, in the next five years. How do I get my resources back? Will I ever have another job? What if the kids never go to school? It's like we start this monkey mind, but what's here now? And so we can move in and out, and each time we can check in on what's going on and being able to check with that. Imagine though, if what's the, what? What are some of the fame? You know, typical greetings. Hey, how's it going? 
you walk past someone, how's it going? It's meaningless, though, in our culture, right? I mean, does anyone really pause to say, oh, well, let me tell you about what's going on, right? And maybe as you were talking about some of those other traditions, uh, like in Africa and things like that, I see you. Is that could you imagine that maybe when we come out on the other side of this, the how's it going could actually mean something? Or hello, how are you? How is your day? Good. How's yours? <laughs> you know, we're just it's always it's so simple, right? It's it's meaningless. But perhaps some new things could be born from this something uh, which gets back to the root. What's important in our lives? And it comes back to generally health and relationships. What do you, I don't know. Those are just some, it just hit me when you were talking about some of those greetings that um, the frivolous greetings that we have in our culture that we just don't, yeah. It's as good as a wave. Yep. <laughs> you know, hey. Go, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I had one one piece I wanted to add about that uncertainty. And I think, and Jim, you and I talked about it on the phone and, and maybe you're, and I don't want to take it from you, but uh, the, ex, the uh, extended family, the children, um, uh, about that, that coming home and that feeling of uncertainty. It's um, when I was, when I was speaking to some guys this week, it's uh, junior high and, and even the, mostly the high school uh, children of, first responders is that there they have that uncertainty too of is dad or mom going to bring you know am, are they going to get us sick you know they're going to and and I know uh, one particular firefighter they, he and his wife really stress over that about that uncertainty you know and and um it's uh it it's I like how you tee it up mark is that first thing we need to do is is recognize it you know do we are we recognizing that we are feeling anxious or concerned and and can we recognize that our older children uh, you know at some point of understanding of of an age they too might be feeling that way and how do we go about addressing that with them There you you know, go. No, I appreciate that. Um, in in Mark's video that he did about all this, he talked about authentic communication, and that's something that I don't think I really have a lot of. But with everything going on here, I've certainly had to have that, and that that is that those hard, uncomfortable conversations that are actually necessary in this time. You know, my wife is a nurse. I'm obviously first responder, uh, you know, medic firefighter, you know, we had to really sit down and talk about options and what ifs, the should have, would have, could have, uh, all that kind of stuff that uh, potentially could happen and, and backup plans and, I mean, everything else. Like, I know if one of us gets quarantined, I, I have a setup already. I'll have an RV in, in my um, driveway, so at least I can still use my own Wi-Fi, you know, but... And and we're we're fortunate with that. We are. It's a very. This whole thing is to me bittersweet. Like I'm I'm I know I'm blessed to still be working and still have my wife that's working because I know a lot of people 
aren't in that situation. But at the same time, it's like it's also that extra fear of I'm going to get potentially sick and I'm going to pass this to other people as well, including my parents, including my kids. I mean, whoever else. And that's it's uh, it's just an uncomfortable spot to be in. Truly, truly bittersweet. Um, have you guys had to have any of that authentic communication with, with your spouses, with your families? I have. I, I um, as I mentioned that in the early part of the program, how um, you know, my son was working out with the uh, construction type stuff. Um, yeah, I had to tell him. I said, "Hey, Donnie, um, I'll visit with you outside, six feet apart, but I can't have you come in the house." And here's why. You know, you're you're 22, and you know nothing in the world can hurt you. <laughs> you know, he's not doing crazy things. They're not out having parties or anything like that. But he does um, not take, I'm sure, social distancing as most young 22, 20 somethings do um, to the level that we do as older adults. And my wife has a an um, immunization or, you know, she's compromised from from uh, medications that she takes. So we have to be very, very careful. And, and then when my, I have, I have a junior and a sophomore high school girls, um, you know, they want to go big thing with them is like in, in this nice weather that we've been having is like, uh, you know, taking a walk with a friend or something like that. I'm like, yes, but you know, I want who's that friend been around? You know, I sort I've had these and and at first they're like, Dad, why are you interrogating me? You know, things like that. Where it's like, look, we have I'm, I have to be real with this. You guys could get this and it's nothing to you, but it could really hurt me, you know, my wife, etc. Right? Um, so having those um, at first they were sort of awkward and they were wondering, you know, are you being real? Are you, you know, is this really real? And then after a series of questioning, okay, who are you going to see? Where are they? Make sure you're outside. Who have they been with? Ask them if they ask this question, have they been around anyone exposed to the coronavirus? And they're like, dad, I can't ask that question. I'm like, you know, you need to ask the question before you go. Yeah. And, and it a uh, couple days of awkwardness, but that authentic communication definitely has helped. And just being straight with them is is something that I personally have experienced. And so far, so good with the results. So thank you for that. Uh, Todd, let me ask you this. Um, you know, kind of what, what you do now, your, your realm is preventative maintenance, um, upkeep, finding stuff early on. Uh, before it's too late uh, for for ourselves. And a lot of the stuff that we do, like, you know, I, earlier this week I had, instead of meeting a doctor live in person, now I'm I'm looking at a screen with them. And, uh, you know, what are, what are some of the things we can do to still make sure that we're getting the checkups we need and we're, we're still not for not not just ignoring these these different items that we need to do to just maintain our health? Yeah, no, I think, Jim, that's a great, great uh, question and, and spot on with uh, with the overall topic that we're discussing today. I, you know, I think, uh, Donnie, 
kind of touched on it. What's uh, America 2.0, you know, going to look like? And in particular, touched on, uh, you know, how uh, ravishing um, this uh, hidden enemy has been on people, particularly that have comorbidities. Uh, you know, I think is is how Donnie uh, termed it, which is spot on. Is uh, uh, you know, we know as uh, public safety providers, because I, not only the research out there, but uh, uh, LifeScan uh, sees 40,000 of them a year doing, you know, annual early detection exams. We know we have a lot of first responders with uh, obesity, with hypertension, with uh, high cholesterol, all the things that come with the stress of being a first responder. And, um, you know, we, we try to tackle those early so we don't have the heart attacks and we don't have um, fatalities from cancer. But um, just just look at this. Who would have thought that in 2020 we would be battling this scourge uh, that, that actually is targeting um, members of our society that have these underlying comorbidities, particularly if we're not managing them. So uh, I think it's particularly for our first responders that are that are right there. Um, you know, interacting with, with this disease every single day, uh, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, it underscores the need for us really um, to take our modifiable risk uh, very, very seriously, because it, it really just is demonstrating it may be uh, the difference between um, survival in our profession and not surviving. I, uh, my own department, uh, my thoughts and prayers go out. We lost our first deputy uh, from COVID virus down here in Broward. So it's it hits home and uh, we've lost a number around the country. Um, so I, I think right now you're absolutely right. Uh, we're using telemedicine. We're doing this remotely today. Um, but it, but I think, you know, it, we will get back to normal um, sooner rather than later. Hopefully we'll implement those continuing uh, uh, medical screenings once again. And uh, I think the importance just underscores that uh, obviously it's important for everyone to manage their health risk, but for uh, first responders, it's even more so. And uh, um, I, I really can't uh, stress that enough. You've kind of touched on, I've made my, my passion and my life's effort, uh, not only with my 30 years uh, you know, in the fire service, uh, but after retiring is focusing on that that risk because it's really how we lose a, a number of our brothers and sisters out there and it's preventable. So uh, this is a, a tragic time to have to remind everyone of that. Um, but, but sometimes it's out of adversity. There's that silver lining that we all take our health a little bit more seriously and we manage our own risk a little bit more um, closely and aggressively. So thanks for that question, Jim. It's, uh, it's one that I think is going to save lives out there. Uh, not only through this this pandemic, but beyond. Nice. Thank you for that, Todd. So I think I've done more pop culture things in this episode than I ever have, which is awesome. But, but let me get you, you guys out of here on the, the Jerry, Springle, Jerry Springer final thoughts. So if you will, just all of you just take a turn and kind of any advice for, for our first responder world, um, you know, anything that we kind of missed throughout this last, you know, nearly an hour now. So, um, Todd, if you want to just go right back up, we'll start with you again. I'm going to keep mine uh, very, very short. Um, there was a, a ton of great information 
provided uh, today. Um, it's been an honor to be part of it, small part of, of uh, some of the dialogue. And uh, hopefully, uh, I think the one thing I want folks that are listening to this that are out there on the front lines um, is to uh, to implement some of this. Uh, and it, it might be different for each of you, depending on where you're at uh, in your journey of uh, responder wellness. Um, but but take some of the, the issues that we've brought up today and we've discussed and actually uh, put them to use. It's uh, uh, It may save your life and it may save the life of uh, someone that you love and your family that loves you. So uh, thanks for thanks for the opportunity, Jim and, and Mark and Donnie. Thanks for joining uh, today together. I, I think this is pretty powerful and um, you know, I, I think we know what's needed out there. So thank you. No, thank you, Todd. Mark, would you mind going next, please, kind sir? Yeah. Um, right on the heels of all of this, uh, I'm just going to read a passage. It's, it's a poem, actually. Uh, in light of everything, the authenticity, the honesty, everything. So meet me here. Speak my name. I am not your enemy. I am your teacher. I may even be your friend. Tell us, let us tell our truth together, you and I. My name is Anger. I say you have been wronged. My name is Shame. My story is your hidden pain. My name is Fear. My story is vulnerability. My name is Resentment. I say things should have been different. My name is grief. My name is depression. My name is heartache. My name is anxiety. I have many names and many lessons. I am not your enemy. I am your teacher. That's from the book of forgiveness. Just honest, authentic, turning inward, feeling whatever's here and moving through it. How are you going to top of that, Donnie? Thanks a lot, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what was going through my mind. <laughs> well, I want to remind people and the listeners that, or that it's not a poem, but it's a definition of how I define work-life balance or work-life fulfillment, whichever word you wish to use. But it's a question that I ask, and that is, are your day behaviors in alignment with your priorities in life? You know, oftentimes we talk about this is a priority, he's a priority, she's a priority, or fitness is a priority, nutrition is a priority. We often tell ourselves that but what i ask is that line that up against your the last several weeks or the month are your day-to-day -day behaviors in alignment with those priorities and if not what can you do what changes and to keep spillover in mind when you go through those changes um i think uh, i'd also like to thank uh as a beautiful poem and I'd like to thank Mark and Todd, uh, the self-care piece and the prevention and the work that you are doing is 
uh, obviously incredible, trying to, you know, literally saving lives. And, uh, and uh, very honored to be, and uh, it's a lot of fun to be a part of this program today. All right. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you very much. Um, if I will indulge myself, it is my show, so <laughs> I can make my own roles. I want to I do this as well, but mine would be more of a plea. As first responders, we help everybody else. No questions asked. That's, that's what we do. But we have an extreme difficulty across the board asking for help for ourselves. There's a pride thing involved there, and, and we really need to break that down, especially for what's going on here now. If it's a behavioral health thing, there's there's options out there. We can do the, the tele, I talked about the telemed, telemedicine. There's there's web conferences or like one-on-one web stuff that you can do with clinicians and, and get help. The IFF's doing that. I'm sure Mark can set that up as well. I mean, there's there's options out there. Uh, you know, if it's if it's finances, I, I know we have our our stimulus check uh, supposedly on the way. That may not be enough. So I mean, don't be afraid to ask for help, and and also reach out to everybody. Check in on on your friends. Don't just I mean the first responder world. At least we know we're we're working, but just driving around town on the way to work, you see these places that are out of business. A good friend of mine that is his job is to to play different restaurants and bars, play the guitar and sing. It's not happening now. So don't forget to check in on those people. You know, this is this is really truly our time to come together and take care of, of each other and, and all of our friends and all of our families and make sure we, we get through this whenever the hell it's done. Is there anything else you guys have? If not, we'll we'll uh cut this off and and you know hope everybody takes care and stay safe anything else you guys just want to know when when are we scheduling uh phase two of this conversation (laughs) (laughs) my my calendar is pretty open you know i work or at least right now i'm working every third day so stay safe there yes and may may we all be free of harm absolutely absolutely thanks guys Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.